the Lord is my shepherd. When, when I read that, I can't help but, but kind of asking it to myself as a question. The Lord is my shepherd. I can't help but think about who really is leading in my life. Who, who am I really following? Where am I getting my guidance from? Where am I going to for sustenance? Maybe the reason I end up in the wrong place so often, end up confused, end up hungry, end up tired, end up thirsty. Maybe the reason for that is that, that I've chosen to follow a whole lot of wrong shepherds in my life. That I've looked in a lot of the wrong places for direction. See, if you're like me, a lot, a lot of my focus in life is on stepping up. Stepping up. How, how can I do better? How, how can I be better? How can I be more in this life? How can I, how can I, how can I? And maybe the truth to those questions of how can I be more is not in, in Bo, you've got to step it up. You've got to do, you've got to do, you've got to do. Not being more, but figuring out what it looks like to be a little bit less. You know, that's what John said, I, he must become greater and I must become less. That's what it is to have a shepherd, it is what it is to truly give your life to a leader, is that over time, he is becoming greater and greater when it comes to your life and you're becoming less and less. Maybe that's when the Lord finally becomes my shepherd. But I've realized in the times when I'm most lost in life, I have this tendency myself to just keep running, to just keep moving. Because if I'm lost and I keep moving, then maybe, maybe eventually I'm going to find my way. If I'm hurting, if I just keep fighting, maybe eventually I'm going to win the fight. And when I really need to start looking, I start looking back maybe to the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, is the way the ESV reads. I read those words and I think to myself, I wish, I lack nothing. I, 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 don't, I don't have any wants in this life, I shall not want. So why, why do I feel so often like, all I want is more. I just constantly want more. I need more. I need something else. I'm unsatisfied with what this life is giving me. I feel empty with what this life is giving me. But the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not want. The only answer I have for that feeling is that it's felt most when I'm not personally walking with the shepherd. That, that feeling of emptiness, that feeling of needing something more constantly is felt so much more fully when I'm truly not walking personally with the, she with the shepherd. You know those old uh, smelling the pie cartoons from when we were kids, when we were little? You know, where, where somebody sets a pie on the windowsill, which you wouldn't do in Texas, obviously, because it'd either be covered up in mosquitoes or it'd be melting during the summer. 
But, it, but in those situations, they, they smell the pie, and you, you kind of have this Goofy or Mickey or whoever it is, and they, you know, uh, Yogi Bear, and they just start, their nose just kind of pulls them towards it. And the truth is, what David's saying here is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He provides for everything that I need in this life, but what I end up being guided by so much more often is my nose, my eyes, my gut, but not being led by my shepherd. Not, not truly being led by my Lord. The truth is when I feel that ache in the depths of my stomach, the reason I'm lacking is because I'm not letting him lead. The reason I'm lacking is because I'm leading. That, that when it comes to my life, I, I don't have a shepherd. Bo's my shepherd. Bo is who guides my decision. Bo is who guides my life. And so my instinct when I'm lost is to just keep moving, just keep running, just keep fighting. But he makes me lie down. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you, but I feel this in the depths of my soul right now. I feel like there's so many days where I'm sitting and I'm fighting and God is screaming, Bo, Bo, just, just lay down. Bo, just, just stop. Just stop and just be with me. You know, Tripp does this thing uh, where, and I don't know if any of your children do it, where when he gets hurt, he runs. It, it was really difficult. The girls didn't do it, but Tripp does it. He'll, you know, stub his toe, falls. It, it's, it's almost like he's embarrassed of his pain. And so he'll run to his room and he'll jump in his bed and he doesn't want you to see it. He doesn't want to show it to you. And you kind of have to calm him down before he's going to let you know what's actually wrong. Maybe God looks at us and he feels like he's doing the exact same thing. See, the truth is in those situations, what I have to do in order to help Trip is I have to hold him. Sometimes he, he gets so hysterical when he's hurt like that, that I have to pick him up and I have to hold him tightly and make him stop fighting so that he can start to find healing in his pain. And does God look at us and we just keep fighting, we just keep moving, we just keep running from whatever it is, and God is trying desperately to fix it. He's trying desperately to say, just stop, just lay down in this green pasture, be safe with me. You know, that, that's what this part of the passage is about. It's about not just sustenance. You know, we think about that and we see, we see this in imagery and we think of a green pasture and we think of all the grass that the sheep could eat and be taken care of. No, what, he, what he's saying is, is be safe with me. Understand that you are safe when you are with me. Sometimes you need to lay down before you're ready to be led. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters, the still water. The still water is the good water. It's the safe water. It's the water for us that, that quenches our thirst. You know, with the shepherd, they, they weren't going to lead their sheep up to a raging river or deep waters. They're going to lead them up to a little quiet babbling brook so that they could find 
that safety in them. It's water that's not going to sweep me away. I'm not afraid, and it's not dangerous for me to bend over to take a drink. When the Lord's not my shepherd, what I see myself doing is I just want, want to keep drinking. I just want to keep drinking things that, that just make me thirsty again. You know, I can remember trying to understand this as a kid when it came to hydration because, you know, as a kid, the, the thought of drinking a Coke sounds so much better. The thought of drinking something that, that tastes good sounds so much better. So I, I didn't want water. I didn't want water. I wanted something with flavor. I didn't want what was actually going to sustain me, what was actually going to hydrate me, what was actually going to fill me up, what I actually truly needed. So we keep going to things that maybe in the moment they seem like they're tasty, they seem like they're good, and then we walk away and we're thirsty over and over and over again. And what I really need right now, what we need is the promise in that moment that he restores your soul. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. You know, liter literal water restores our body. You know, it, it does. Like we, we can feel so off and then you, you chug a glass of water and you, you feel like a million bucks. You know, we have this, for me, in the, in the morning, I've gotten in the habit where I'll get up and instead of drinking my coffee first, I'll chug a 32-ounce glass of water. And I realize it actually gets me going in a healthier way than my coffee does. Now, I'm still drinking my coffee. Y'all don't, don't, don't miss that. But the water is what I need. It's what actually restores my body. So while literal water restores our body, but to quote the, the water boy, this is some high-quality H2O right here. This is water that restores our soul. This isn't about restoration of my body. It's the needed restoration and refreshing of my damaged soul. There's a difference. When your physical body is damaged, you, you know that you need these moments where you stop. You know you need those moments where you lay down, where you allow your body to heal. So why don't you do the same things when it comes to your soul? Why don't you follow that same path? Why don't you stop the things you're doing and allow yourself to rest in the Lord, to follow his ways, to be fully refreshed? Remember a few weeks ago, we were in Acts 3 and in the healing of the man who was laid at the temple gates. And... Peter says to, to those who had, who had just witnessed and been a part of the crucifixion of the Christ, he says to him in Acts 3, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's what he's calling us to do. We feel so dry. We feel so parched. And he's saying, hey, repent, turn around and come back to me and find these times not where you're going to feel more dry. You feel like you're giving up things. You feel like you're walking away from these things that you are finding refreshment in. But you know they're leaving you thirsty and over and over again. So he's saying, hey, come back to him and find refreshment. Find restoration in your soul and being in the presence of the Lord. I know we have some, some really tired souls here today. Some really, really tired souls. And when is the last time in your tiredness that you went to God for restoration? Truly. When, when's the last time when you felt so tired, you felt so lost, you felt so confused, 
in that moment, you knew that you needed to go to God. See, we do this weird thing because we're sheep. Where again, we, we, instead of wanting to run towards God, we want to run away from God. We, we feel like, especially I think as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we, we feel like, hey, I, I need to get some things right before I come back. And when you hear that verse in, in Acts 3 and he's saying, repent and then be in the presence of the Lord. What God is calling us to here in Psalm 23, what he's still calling us to today is not to run away, not to feel like I've got to run, run, run and get some things right. I've got to fix these things right now. He's saying, no, repent. And like we think about that and we think repentance and we understand that it literally means to turn around. But we think it's repent and walk away from the sins, but it's repent and walk back towards the Savior. It's repent and come back to me and find the restoring of your soul in me. Stop running from me. Lay down. Let the water quench your thirst. Let your soul be refreshed. I think I know what's best in my life. I do. But the truth is, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in passive righteousness for his name's sake. I'm not always the best chooser of paths. Not always the worst either. I think that's where we, we can kind of get into a, a real problem in understanding this and in listening to God for guidance in our life. Truth is, I've made some pretty solid decisions in my life that didn't really include my God at all. Just confession. What I also know is that the best decisions I've made in my life have always been made with God. So I want you to hear that again. Now, I made some really solid decisions, as I'm sure you have, without thinking about God in, this, in the decision at all. But the best decisions I've made have always been with my God. I think Psalm 23 is a reminder of what we need always that we need God's guidance in our past and our direction. But what we need more than anything when we're lost. When David's writing this and he's in his home where he's lost, he's longing to be back with the shepherd again, longing to be back with his guide again. And we need it every day, but we need it so much more when we're lost and we don't know where I'm going. When I'm lost, I have this tendency to look for what's easy, you know, to, to take that path that's more traveled when I come to the fork in the road because I'm just trying to find a way. I'm trying to find a way out of this. Like that's how we all are. When we're lost, we're trying to find a way. When we follow the right path, it's not always or maybe even usually the worn path. And that's why Robert Frost, you know, he, he stole this. You know, he, he wasn't original when he wrote it. That worn path is not always the right path taking that path that God is calling you to when maybe it doesn't make sense to anybody around you, but you know it is from your God, makes all the difference in your life and probably in the life of others. So you're making all of the wrong decisions in your life. Here's an idea. Stop making them by yourself. 
if you feel like your decisions keep taking you down paths and you, you don't find this, like, then stop trying to make all these decisions by yourself. Instead, lean into the, your God and allow him to guide your paths. And when you do this, you're able to glorify God by trusting his path over your plan. Because I have some really great plans in my life. Some great things that I want to do still. Some great things that I want to accomplish. But I know his plan is better than my plan. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. There's a reason this is one of the most well-known verses in scripture and outside of church, and it's not because of Coolio. It's because of this imagery, and only half of y'all got that. That's okay. It's because of this imagery, this picture painted that connects so well for seasons when we're in darkness. This makes sense if you're a Christian. It makes sense if you're not a Christian of this image of walking through the valley of the shadow of death, through the valley of deep darkness, because you can picture yourself and you're down in this valley. And we talked about David and Goliath, and that's what I always picture here is this valley image. I think that's maybe what David was talking about here, and he's talking about being down in that valley during the darkest points of life, and you've got mountains on each side, and as the sun goes behind, there's, there's this deep, deep darkness because light is not able to break free. In the dark valley, sun is non-existent. It's being blocked on every side. So if I'm leading, if I'm leading, I'm going to be terrified. That's the truth. If I'm walking through the darkest valley, if I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death by myself, I'm going to naturally be so, so afraid, being blocked on both sides because I don't know where to go. I don't. When you've been in this kind of darkness, you understand it. You, you don't know what your next move is. You don't know what your next step is. So you feel so stuck. And it's a different level of fear because there's a fear when you're moving and you kind of don't know where you go, but you can see things and you can see paths ahead and you can make decisions still. But when you're in this kind of darkness, you don't even feel like you can move and take another step because you are so afraid of what's in front of you. But I'll fear no evil for you are with me in the darkness in the darkness, we have to start trying to look for light, digging for light. But God doesn't promise that we'll be able to avoid darkness because he's our shepherd. I wish he did. It'd be a lot more fun. Him promise we'll avoid darkness because he's our shepherd. He does promise we won't go through the darkness alone. That he will not leave us. And there is an overwhelming comfort found in that and knowing that when you're in the darkest times of your life when you truly don't know how to make your next step that you have someone with you who is guiding that next step that next step that next step someone who is going before you and leading you out of the darkness one step at a time we're not promised no darkness but we're promised to not go through the darkness alone the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He 
It leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We get this image of the rod and the staff and they're used for several things. But they should give us comfort in all the ways that they're used. You know, I just thought of three this week that when it comes to the rod and the staff, they're, they're used for discipline. And that's something we don't think about often. We don't like to think about when it comes to what I need in my life. I mean, I, I need discipline. I have to have discipline. You know, with our children, we get really frustrated with our children. Really frustrated. Really, really frustrated. Sometimes in in church, it's, it's tough. It's tough. The reason we discipline them, the reason we, we give them discipline over and over again is because we know that if I don't, what kind of adults are they going to become? What kind of, what kind of people are they going to grow up to be if I don't instill discipline in their life now? We know that as parents. Do we know that in our own lives? Do we crave discipline in the same way? Do we say, crave, crave discipline in the same way from our God because the discipline leads to direction? And that's what the rod and the staff do too. They, they give discipline, but they, they give direction. While I don't always want discipline, I know that sometimes I need it. And while I don't always st- understand the direction I'm going in, it, I know that I, I need it also. That, that as I start to get off the trail and off the path, that, that rod and the staff, they, they bring me back in. They draw me back to where I'm supposed to be, to where I'm supposed to be going, even when I don't even know what's ahead. So it brings discipline, it brings direction, and then brings protection. You know, they're, they're for me. When I, when I can't protect myself, when I can't win my battles, when I can't even fight my battles if I'm a sheep, the rod and the staff, they comfort me because they fight for me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in passive righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, it overflows. You would think about this preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And, and this is kind of a different part of this passage and, and a little bit hard to understand. And it can be interpreted a few different ways, I think. You know, I think the most natural one is you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies is, is almost this image of a victory feast. We have these things that we're fighting against, these things we're against in this world, or these people that we're against in this world. And David had plenty of enemies in his world. He's saying, you prepare a table for me. You prepare a feast as I get victory in these relationships. Now I kind of get the image too of seated across from the enemies that you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That they're, they're sitting at the table too and I'm sitting across from them because I'm sitting across from them. I don't fear them. You know, that's what we've been talking about. I don't, I don't fear them. I'm not worried about them because I know that you have prepared the table. I know that you're the host. You're the host of the dinner. 
And so I know I have you backing me, so I have no fear in this dinner. And then the third, I think, you know, maybe in reference to what's coming. As you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, that my, enemy, my enemies are invited to the feast. I, know, I don't know if that's what it meant, was meant here, but I know it's what it means now. When Jesus called us to pray for our enemies, to love our enemies, it, it's that, that we are at this table and we're invited to this feast and we are sitting at this feast and we are safe in this feast and we are sitting with the Savior and there are empty seats at the table and we're inviting our enemies. We're inviting our enemies to come and sit at the table with us. We are loving our enemies. We're praying for our enemies. We're longing for our enemies to know what we know and to have what we have. And you anoint my head with oil. I've received an anointing, so, so have you. It's easy in times of drought to only focus on this loss of water rather than the blessings that you've always received. I don't know about your personal pains and problems. All I know is y'all all have them, every single one of you. But for my particular ones these last few years, this is what's held me up. This is what's held me up day in and day out. I can, I can be mad at God confused by circumstances but the truth is I know that I'm sitting at a table with all of my enemies I'm, an, I'm anointed by by the Holy Spirit and I know in this over and over again while oh, there have been a lot of things taken in this life and, and every single one of us is going to experience that if you haven't already I'm sorry spoiler alert you will but to sit at the table and go man like I'm holding this cup this cup that sustains me and it's just, it's just overflowing. It, it's, all, it's almost wasteful that it is so full that I, I can't even get it up to my mouth without spilling because I am so blessed in this life. Yes, there's pain and there's brokenness in this life, but my cup still overflows. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil if you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I think when I, when I think he's not there, when it's that, that feeling like, you know, God, you said I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death that you're going to be with me. When I, when I feel like he's not there, this is the truth I turn around and I look and, and he's there. there there's, there's goodness. There's God's goodness. There's God's mercy. There's God's love waiting for me over, over, and over again. There's this steadfast love of God that is right on my heels. In this picture of God, I don't know if you've read it this way before, but it's, it's a picture of God pursuing us at the end of, of Psalm 23. It's really, really kind of a precursor to, to the prodigal son. I see so many connections here when I'm reading Psalm 23 and I think about Luke 15. 
It's this picture of God pursuing us when we are wondering. God pursuing us when we are lost. God pursuing us when we don't know what our next step is going to be. God pursuing us when we're in the darkness. And God saying, come home. He's saying, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. They're going to be right behind you all the days of your life. And because of that, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But that's, that's my forever home. It's our invitation that we all have, that we all share to turn around when you're lost and understand that goodness and mercy is waiting, that the love of God is waiting, that the shepherd is waiting for you to turn around, to come back home. And it's always where we are welcome. It's our forever home, our forever home. I know something this week that I want to close with. We've said the 23rd Psalm straight through several times this morning. But I want to read it. And I never noticed this. I'm sure I'm, sure I'm not the first. But it, it reads just as well backwards as, as it does forward. And it makes so much sense to me when read in reverse. Not, not literally word for word. That would be kind of strange. But we read this passage where if you're like me, it's one of the passages I go to for comfort. It's one of the passages I go to when I'm just longing for that relationship with my God again. So I want to read this for you this morning, and then the lesson will be yours. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. You anoint my head with oil. In the presence of my enemies, you, you prepare a table before me. Your rod and your staff, they don't scare me. They, they comfort me. And you're with me. Because you're with me, I will fear no evil. Even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You lead me with long paths of righteousness for your name's sake. He restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I shall not want because the Lord is my shepherd. If the Lord is not the shepherd of your life, I know that he wants nothing more than to be that for you, to have that relationship with you. It's not a perfect relationship because you're part of it. Sorry. But it's a perfect relationship because he is leading you on the paths that you need to go. So if you feel lost, if you have a need, if we can help in any way, would you come as we worship?